What is going on, baseball fans? Welcome to This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. This is episode 11 of season two. Got a great crew on. I'm your host, Jordan Lazowski, but I am far more interested in what our crew is going to have to say tonight. We've got Andrew Horwath, who is a familiar face, but I think this is your first time on this season, though. Yeah, first time this season. And we also have two uh, semi-new faces to Diamond Digest, Maddox Hill and Luke Sihogis. I will let each of them introduce themselves a little bit, and after that, we'll get into the show. So let's start with you, Luke. Um, what's up? My name's Luke. Um, I'm a huge White Sox fan, um, huge Yohan Moncada defender, um, and I've been here at Diamond Digest for a couple months now, and yeah, I just love to talk baseball. Excited to be here. Hey, y'all. I'm Maddox. Um, I'm from the Chicago suburbs, but a huge Mets fan. Both my parents were born in New York. Um, I recently graduated from UW-Madison with a degree in conservation biology, and this is my first year with the Diamond Digest team. Are we all currently in Chicago? I'm in Madison. Oh, so cool. I'm Okay. Well, we have a very heavy Chicago White Sox fan podcast, but unfortunately not much on the uh, docket about the White Sox for the first time in a while, kind of thankfully. We'll go through the standings update per usual. Uh, we record this Sunday night, so if anything changes mid-Sunday night baseball, it usually doesn't, but just as a disclaimer, around the league in 60 seconds, these fine gentlemen will each give their recap of the week that they want uh, to make sure we highlight. We'll go through seventh inning stretch. We got a little bit of everything. I know the big talk again this week, kind of like it was last week, was foreign substance use, so we'll go through that. Spend a lot of time there. We'll wrap up with what to watch for this week, and nothing too crazy, nothing too different than usual. So let's just jump right in. If the season ended today, here's what the standings would look like in the AL East. The Boston Red Sox still atop the division by just a half game over the Rays. The White Sox lead the AL Central by two and a half games over Cleveland, uh, who lost Josh Naylor today for a significant amount of time. That was a Scary, brutal injury. Hopefully it, it doesn't affect him long-term. I mean, that kind of stuff sucks. Um, in the West, Houston is leading the division by two games over Oakland. Your two wildcard teams out there would be the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics. In the National League, the Mets remain atop the East. They are the only team above 500 out in the NL East. The Milwaukee Brewers have taken a little bit of a lead in the NL Central, two and a half games over the Cubs. And the Giants are the first team to 50 wins in baseball this year. They lead the NL West by four games over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Your two wildcard teams out there, those aforementioned Los Angeles Dodgers, as well as the San Diego Padres, who at 47-33, and 33, having a great year, find themselves Four and a half games out in their own division and nine and one in their last 10 games. It sucks to be a team in the NL West this year. I think that continues to be the biggest takeaway is you've got a lot of good competition out there and the giant and, and you knew that coming in, but the giants just continue to be a team that you didn't see that coming. It, the, the disparity between the top three and the bottom two teams is incredible. Um, I'll turn it over to you guys, though. Any big takeaways from the standings? I don't think there's too much, just because things haven't changed much in the past couple weeks. The, Giants the, Diamondbacks finally, 
the Diamondbacks finally won a road game. And they finally won a road they game. Did. Yes, I I haven't kept up with that too much. I'll just see it on Twitter and stuff. It's like I would not want to be a fan right now. That's and it's not even for a lack of talent either. It's it's a good ball club. And it's not let's be honest, it's not 22 and 57 bad at the very least. So, They've got good pieces on that team. Yeah. Yeah. So this team will be ripe as the trade deadline starts to loom over us and develop in the coming weeks. But let's go into around the league in 60 seconds. Each of that, each of the panelists will give their recap, some things they want to make sure we highlight that maybe necessarily won't come up in seventh inning stretch. Um, and we can talk about a little bit of those. We will start with the quote unquote veteran of the group and we'll go with Andrew. Uh, it was a very disappointing week for Shohei Otani. I mean, he only hit 352, 450, 941 with two homers, a stolen base. Oh, yeah, and he pitched six innings, allowed only one run, struck out nine batters. Um, top prospect Jared Kelnick, he's been down in AAA, and he's been on fire. He had a game where he had four hits, and then another game he had two home runs. Um, I think that it's going to take – I think the Mariners are definitely going to want to see him keep this going in AAA, maybe two, three more weeks before they call him back up again. And then obviously top prospect Wander Franco made his debut, hit a home run, I think in his first or second game of the season. And that's going to be a really exciting player to watch. And then also I got to talk about the hometown White Sox. What are they waiting for? I mean, we got to make a trade. Eduardo Escobar, you know, we talked about the Diamondbacks. There's at least two or three guys, I think, on the Diamondbacks that would make sense. Maybe a Catal Marte that might cost too much. David Peralta, his contract's ending soon. Maybe a reliever like Joaquin Soria. He could come back to the White Sox. A lot of two familiar names. Eduardo Escobar, Joaquin Soria. <laughs> a lot of very familiar names. It's like I'm it's it's kind of like the Yomer Sanchez. It brings me back to a day in White Sox history that I I, I don't want to remember those times. But Otani continues to just be one of the most impressive people I've ever seen play baseball. I think today he homered against the Rays in a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in on his hands. He, he takes it out to left field, and he hit it pretty deep out there too. It, it's an impressive showing. Um, I think he's been everything you probably would have expected when he first came over and then some. It's phenomenal. Let's go to Maddox. All right. Well, like Shohei Otani, Vlad Jr. continues to mash. Um, he's leading the league in homers still. I believe he's up to 26 now, um, and it's not even July, so he's certainly on 50 homer watch. Um, also with the home runs, Kyle Schwarber hit, I believe, seven this week, including five and two games against the Mets. Um, the Phillies' bullpen was awful this week. They lost a game 13-12 to 12 to the Nationals, which was one of – four one-run losses that their bullpen blew. Um, the Astros' offense is the best in baseball by far, and their pitching might make them the best team in baseball, but they did just lose a series to the Tigers and A.J. Hinch, which is a nice little revenge win for him. The Astros are an interesting story. Um, I, I was very impressed watching them last week against the White Sox. I, I think – it feels like they were underrated of sorts coming in. I know that's weird to say for a team like the Houston Astros, but I, I, I think I might have, at least personally, overlooked what a pain they were going to be for other teams in the AL this year, um, which good on them. 
continuing to do your thing, continuing to make your window as wide as possible. Like Im- impressive stuff there. So, yep. yeah. Luke. Um, staying in the AL West, the Oakland athletics are only two games back of the, of the Astros, despite having a 34 run differential compared to the Astros 142. Um, I think that race is really interesting because it just seems like the Astros have played so much better. Um, you know, they're the only team to score 400 runs and they've scored 442. So they're just killing it offensively and pitching wise. They've been great too. Um, Mike Soroka went down again with the Achilles. Um, and that was, that's really sad to hear for the the Braves. They seem like they're in a really tough spot now, um, as a club, um, they're three games under 500 with the Mets looking pretty good, even though they're beaten up, they've, they're 40 and 33. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be interested to see what they do at the deadline, um, buy or sell. Some brutal, I, and this one isn't an arm issue for Soroka as much, just because it's the Achilles, obviously. Um, some brutal injuries this year for pitchers, for even some hitters. It's, it's frustrating to see this currently. I think the game's at its best when all of its stars are healthy and, we're at a point where not all the stars are healthy, and it's clearly affect. It has a big impact on teams, as I don't think anyone would underestimate that. But I think it's frustrating to see something like that, and even like like I said, Naylor today, like just freak injuries, accident. It sucks. It's it's maybe it's just because we're I don't know we're so hyper focused on it because now we had a sixty game season, not one hundred sixty two, but it feels like. This year, there feels like there's a lot more injuries. That that might be pure speculation, but I don't know. I I I wish people could stay healthy as a White Sox fan. Trust me. Yeah. But <laughs> same here. Um, <laughs> um, what else? And I think you guys did a great job covering this. I think. You took us a little bit everywhere. I think the biggest thing. Um, I was re- reading. Um. In the standings off, I was surprised to see the Brewers in first. I'm going to be interested to see how long that holds out there. I think took advantage of a rough stretch for the Cubs having to go against the Dodgers, but we'll see what happens out there. Let's jump into it, though. Seventh inning stretch, our main segment. I will pull up the scoreboard. You guys know the drill. Seven questions. Arbitrary point system. Awarded by me and me only. And here... We go. This week was the first week in which Major League Baseball enforced their new foreign substance use rule for pitchers. We've seen some awesome reactions from guys like Max Scherzer, and we've also seen our first ejection. Um, Coming out of the game today, Hector Santiago of the Seattle Mariners, they found what they deemed a sticky substance on the inside of his glove, uh, we were later told there was a mix of sweat and rosin uh, that created it, and it will obviously be subject to Major League Baseball determination from that point. My question to you is, what are your thoughts on the rule implementation to date? Uh, good, bad, indifferent, your thoughts. We will start with Luke. I'd say I'm pretty indifferent. Um, I, I think this is something MLB should have taken care of over the offseason, Um it seems like what they've done so far is just kind of expect pitchers to just go from 
go from using whatever they want to, you know, you, now you can't use anything. And I think what Tyler Glass now said um, really still rings true um, that they can't just expect a, can't just expect these pitchers to stop using what they've known for, um, for years now. And we're seeing great stars like Garrett Cole, you know, get shelled against the Red Sox today. Um, and this, these are just things that we likely wouldn't see without these inspections. Maddox? Yeah, I agree with Luke. Um, I'm pretty indifferent to the whole inspection aspect. I think MLB really did butcher it by just implementing it in the middle of the season. Um, but as far as the inspections have gone, I think they're essentially accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish. Um, how they handled it was really botched, but I mean, they wanted the pitchers to police themselves. They said, we're going to check you when you come out, stop using sticky stuff. And for the most part, it seems like pitchers have. Um, it has the potential to increase offense. Um, Devin Fink with Fangraphs wrote a great article on um, higher spin rate fastballs being harder to hit. So I think I, I can see what MLB was trying to do. Like spider tack has to go, certainly, but they really botched it doing it midseason. So. Andrew. I mean, yeah, just like these guys, I mean, I like the rule. I like that they're cracking down on it. Obviously, the timing is not great. I feel like, you know, just like how there was supposed to be the rule, I think, in 2015 where batters were supposed to stay in the box, I feel like this is something that's not going to be enforced throughout the rest of the season. Like, are they are the umpires really going to check every single pitcher, every single game the rest of the season? I don't really think they are. Um, and another thing, too, is like this was already a rule in place. So it's like – they didn't enforce it already. What's going to make them enforce it now? And another thing is the umpires, they're putting that, you're putting them in a bad situation. Um, I'm sure you like certain umpires might check. Like I've seen certain umpires check a player's belt, a hat, their glove. And some umps only check like their hat and their glove. So it's like, it's not um, even across the board. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a gray area to it. I think part of that gray area you're talking about is what's considered a quote-unquote foreign sticky substance. Because um, if it's true that Hector Santiago only used sweat and rosin and that's what created that sticky substance, quote-unquote, like those are both legal things. And I, Trevor Bauer actually put out a mm -hmm. video where he kind of did that exact same thing. He makes water rosin, sweat and rosin. It's like, I can make it sticky. Like, is this okay? Because... Now you have a situation where it's you're throwing pitchers, throwing pit. It would have been different, I think, if Santiago wasn't coming out of the game, like being relieved. But if he gets caught after maybe leaving the second inning and they they throw him out for that, well, both of those things are legal. So so where's that line? Like, how are you going to make sure that line isn't crossed? I think the gray area, Andrew, you mentioned, is incredibly important. One thing that I think would be interesting to see is, like, obviously Santiago's not going to be suspended for 10 games is let's say, like, the Mariners have two other pitchers get suspended and you can't replace them on the roster. So then they're screwed for, like, a week and a half. What are they going to do? Are they going to just send down two of their bench players mm -hmm. and go with, like, just a backup catcher and one utility guy? I mean, this is going to be interesting, and that could also increase injuries for the pitchers if, you know, nine pitchers have to carry a, a week and a half's work, work of innings. Right. I also think it's sort of – sorry to cut you off. Oh, I also think it's important to note, like, the timing of this upsetting the players so much. Like, mm -hmm. with collective bargaining coming up this offseason, it's going to be a real problem that they're going to need to fix. I don't think we're going to have the same ball next year. I don't think it's going – it's good. 
they're going to need to do something to get some sort of tack on. And it is it's interesting to hear it from the player's perspective. Like I think I can't remember who it was who basically said like they changed the ball based on what the uh free agency pool kind of looks like if a bunch of pitchers are yeah pete alonzo think it's like if you got a bunch of pitchers coming up soon you're gonna use the uh bouncy ball so it kind of deflates their salary value it's like for for now whether or not that's true is one thing but for players to think that and just have this foreign substance use on top of it and that's just a whole issue of its own it's like whether or not it's true, players think that. Like, that's an issue for Major League Baseball to try and solve. Let's go to inning two. Let me pull this back up. Today, Major League Baseball was released the results of its first round of All-Star Game fan voting. Your thoughts on the fan vote? I know it's always a contentious topic. Who is or are the biggest snubs to this point? And who's gotten the most votes that you feel should not have? We'll start with Maddox. Um, the biggest snub, I think, is Javi Baez getting in over Trey Turner. Um, Trey Turner, I believe, is second in F4 among shortstops behind Correa. Um, but Baez has been below league average offensively. He's still an elite defender, but... Trey Turner is an all-around shortstop that deserves to be an all-star. Um, the other biggest snub, I would say, is Brian Reynolds. He's absolutely mashing in Pittsburgh, and no one cares because it's Pittsburgh. Um, and that's how the fan vote works, unfortunately. But he absolutely deserves to be in that game as well. The good news is Pittsburgh is so bad, they'll probably, with the you-have-to-have-one-person-from-every-team rule, they'll probably end up there. So that, that's at yep. least the good yeah, news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Luke. Um, I, I have a couple snubs and a couple guys that I was surprised got a lot of votes. Um, first for snubs, um, Tyler O'Neill. I was really surprised to see he didn't he didn't make it. Um, he's been awesome this year. He's a 141 WRC plus, but worth 1.9 F4. Um, and you know he plays he plays for a team with a great fan base, and so I was kind of surprised to see. On the on the other side, Jock Peterson make it. Um, he, he has a 100 WRC plus. He's been worth 0.4 wins above replacement. Um, so I don't really see what or why Jock Peterson got in over Tyler O'Neill. Um, another one that I think people aren't talking about as much is Alex Bregman getting in over Jose Ramirez. Um, that was pretty surprising mm-hmm. to me. Um, Jose Ramirez has been worth 1.2 more wins, um, and they've been pretty similar. Um, on a rate basis as hitters. Jose Ramirez is at a 127 WRC plus. Alex Bregman is at a 120. But Jose Ramirez also has three outs above average where Alex Bregman has zero. So they've been similar hitters, but Jose Ramirez has been on the field more and he's been a much better defender. So, Andrew? Yeah, for, I think this year, like I think the All-Star voting, I think it's getting much, much better. Like I remember, I think it was the 15 and 16 All-Star games where it was like a bunch of Cubs starters, a bunch of Royal starters, and like Alcides Escobar was the starting shortstop, and he probably wasn't even like the 10th best shortstop in the American League. So I think voting overall has gotten better. Like I can't, you can't really complain. Like as long as if the starter, like like, um, like if the starter. 
Uh, for the All-Star game, if he should actually make the All-Star team, like, that's fine. Like, if the guy that should be starting is on the bench, like, I don't really have a problem with if he's starting, if he's on the bench. Who really cares as long as he makes the All-Star team? Um, when it comes to the snubs, I would say, like, obviously Kyle Schwarber's had a really hot week. Um, obviously, that's since it's the last week that um, he's obviously not going to get, like, a huge bandwagon behind him. And I would say Mark Canna as well. Uh, he's just, He's got, like, a 400 on base or close to it. And then, like, also Austin Riley of the Braves at third base. He's had a really nice season, um, so it's good to see him get back to what he did in, like, his first month uh, of uh, his major league career. Fan voting continues to amaze me. I, I don't know why I think things are going to be different every time. Um, they never are. AL catcher. Um, has thrown me for a curveball with okay. The, the first two, Yasmani so Grandal <laughs> and uh, Salvador Perez, are probably all stars. You look at some of their numbers, that's like those are a fine two. And then you have Martin Maldonado, who really doesn't even belong in the same conversation as those two. It's like, what are we doing here? Well, it's like, is yeah, and it's not for the rate stats. It's not for anything other than the Ashes fan base got behind him. Like I, that was one where I, I looked at him like, one of these is not like the other. And especially Mike Zanino leads, I think all AL catchers in F4, maybe uh, Sean Murphy might actually have him beat, but it's like, those are two names that don't even show up near the top of the map that, I don't know. I Catching's, catching's such an odd position. I think if you're someone who looks at your typical average home runs RBIs, like you're going to look at the catching group and be like, I have to pick from one of these. And some of the value is missed there. Um, AL catcher is fun to me. And catcher in general is fun to me because there's NL is a bit different just because Buster Posey's having such a great year, but things are wild with fan voting. Um, you guys hit most of the snubs and all that from my perspective though. But I do have one more snub. Matt Olson is being snubbed. Um, yeah. He is the best first baseman in the league behind Vlad Jr. so far this year, I would say. And he's not getting the love he deserves. Yeah. Did we know where he's ranked currently for the fan voting? Not that it matters at this point, but. I must don't know where he's ranked. I just have the finalist pulled up. Okay. I'm surprised. No, I, I agree yeah, with Matt Olson, though. He has a 170 WRC. That's impressive. I mean, I I don't know. I, I've long tried to figure out what I would like for a different system for fan vote than fan voting, but it feels like you gotta keep the fans in it somehow, which is how we end up where we are. So what about like a ranking system, like a one, two, three, or one through five? That would be cool. You rank the catchers and then it kind of all averages itself out. That would be interesting. Then you're I think that would help, player. like, yeah. that would help teams with, like, smaller fan bases. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. Mike Sinino, Matt Olson, we brought mm-hmm. up, they're not in because the Rays and A's don't have huge fan bases. Yeah. I like that. Interesting. Huh. I like it. Let's see here. Inning three. Mike Soroka retore his Achilles this week while walking around the clubhouse, effectively ending his 2021 season. Uh, how should the Braves respond to this news, given where they are in the standings? As I mentioned before, the Mets are the only team in the NL East with an, a record above 500. 
And are you worried about the long-term effects for someone as talented as Soroka? I, this is stuff you hate to see happen. I, it's, it's annoying as a fan to have to see something like, like an Achilles be such a problem for somebody. So it's frustrating from that vantage point. But we'll start with Andrew. I think, you know, the Braves have had a ton of injuries this year. They're still under 500, I believe. This has just been a weird year for the Braves. I think they could be a team where they slide into the postseason. Um, I don't think it really, like, uh, affects their postseason odds because I don't even think Soroka was projected to come back this season. And when it comes to, like, his long-term, like, pitchability, I think he's going to be fine because I believe he's only, like, 22. He's, like, one of the youngest pitchers in the game. Um, and he just, to me, he's just got a, he's like one of the best like pitchers in baseball. He doesn't have like the best stuff or anything, but in terms of just pitching, he gets a lot of ground balls. He's a reliable starter. Um, and he hasn't had like really any um, shoulder issues. So I think, um, you know, when it's the, when it's an arm issue for a pitcher, I'm more concerned than when it's the leg. So uh, obviously this is a terrible injury and I think he's going to be out until like July of next year. Um but I think long-term, Soroka is still going to be a really good pitcher. Maddox? Um, I'm a little more concerned for his uh, future than Andrew was. I agree with him that I don't think it impacts the Braves too much this year because he wasn't going to be back probably having just had surgery on it this past offseason. Um, but I think it's concerning. The Achilles is an extremely delicate tendon that is tough to come back from once and his body rejected the sutures in the first surgery, and he tore it again just walking around in the clubhouse the day after taking his boot off. Um, that's concerning. Um, he is very young, and obviously he can come back from it, but that's a pretty bad injury to suffer twice in a year. And as far as the Braves go, their pitching is pretty thin without him. They don't really have an ace and like unless you consider Charlie Morton an ace, which he only is against the Mets. Um <laughs> like Sean Newcomb, their bullpen isn't great. They've got Shane Green closing games for them occasionally with his 14 ERA. Like the outlook is bleak for their playoff chances in my opinion. Their offense is going to need to carry them. Luke Yeah, um, if I'm the Braves, I, I think the Bra I think the Braves are in a really tough situation. Um, but I think if, if you're looking at this team at the deadline, I think you just have to realize that they're probably not going to compete this year. Um, I don't think they have the pitching. Um, and then with everything that happened to Marcelo Zuna um, or everything that he did and um, all the injuries they've had, it just it seems like they're they're on the outside looking in for sure um, on the NL East and on the wild or from the wild card. Um, I, you know, the giants are at 50 wins. Um, it seems like two of those NL, um, NL East team or sorry, NL West teams will get the two wild cards. So that's, that's from the Braves perspective. And then, um, for Mike Soroka, you know, this is a guy who, um, I think a lot of people who look at Sabre metrics have been kind of critical of, um, he doesn't, he doesn't have some of the peripherals that some of the other young aces do, but he gets good results. Um, and even, even if he isn't an ace, I still think he's at worst, like a number three. And I think if you're the Braves this off season, you just have to throw a ton of money at some starters, um, and try to have Max Fried, Soroka and Clayton Kershaw. I mean, it's unlikely that they get him away from the Dodgers, but 
if they can just get like a good solid front three of the rotation, I think they'll be in a good position to compete next year. I think the big thing is on paper, that's such a good team. And I mean, offensively, it's fantastic. And it has just not been, even past few years, it hasn't been what you expected it to be. Uh, if you're a Braves fan, at least in my perspective. Um, yeah, certainly sucks to see Soroka have to go through this. I know I can't imagine tearing it once, much less the pain of tearing it twice. Um, so hopefully his recovery is speedy and is successful, most importantly, other than anything else. This is my question that I am most <laughs> excited for. Inning four, fact or fiction, the Yankees should be pretty worried about Garrett Cole. Um, for anyone curious, Garrett Cole's spin rates have been drastically down um, across his past couple starts with this change in Ford and Substance use, kind of confirming what a lot of fans probably thought he was using something. For some pitchers, we've seen um cases where you know their spin rate is down but their stuff isn't affected uh in terms of the movement on it however Garrett Cole isn't getting some of that rise on his fastball uh it's obvious in the numbers and it goes beyond just the raw spin rate um there's the movement behind it that's an issue too um hopefully I didn't steal anyone's thunder there wanted to explain the situation I will start with Luke yeah, um, if I'm the Yankees, I'm I'm extremely worried about Garrett Cole. Um, you know, in in June he was only worth 0.1 wins above replacement, and his K minus walk percentage was only at a 19.8, which is you know only that's like pretty good for most starters. But this is a guy from in April and May he had a 29.7 K minus walk percentage. Like he is you know really the only guy that can rival Degrom for best pitcher in the league, and the Yankees paid him like that, giving him nine years, 324 million. And that is a large investment, um, especially for a starting pitcher. And to see this kind of shaky start without the, the sticky stuff is really concerning for them going forward, especially if they if this offseason MLB like really takes a look at the whatever's going on and really cracks down, like tries to eliminate as much as they can. The Yankees are kind of screwed for the like the next seven years. Um, but he is still has gotten amazing results. Um, 2019 was one of the best pitching seasons ever. So there is obviously reason to not be worried. Maddox. Um, as much as I want to say they should be really worried. I don't think they should be all that worried. Um, I think Yankee fans should maybe be worried that he's not going to be as dominant as they hoped and that their owner won't spend the money to supplement the rotation um two through five um but the fact is he's still a good pitcher he still throws 97 he's still got some pretty nasty breaking stuff like he may get dinged up from start to start but i think he had a 2.4 era coming into today since they announced the crackdown um which is still obviously a very good um number to post in the league and as far as the contract goes not many nine-year, 350 million contracts end up working out the last three years. Um, so they might have to eat some money at the end of that, but Steinbrenner is well capable of doing that, and that's what Yankee fans should be concerned about. Andrew? 
I'm going to say fact, uh, and this is solely based on the high standards that the Yankees have and Garrett Cole has. You know, you're not paying uh, – you're paying Garrett Cole $300 million, not just to be the best pitcher on your team or the best pitcher in your division, but be to be the best pitcher probably in the American League or all of baseball. Uh, obviously, we saw what he did in uh, 2019 postseason, and he was, like, really, really good. Um, so I think, like, Cole – you know, obviously the spin rates have dropped a lot. I still think he's going to be a really good pitcher. But, you know, you want him to be the best pitcher. You want – you know, when he takes them on in the postseason, you want to know this is our day we're winning the ball game. And, you know, if you just watched his interview and the fact that he was stumbling over his words, he couldn't really answer the question with a straight face, with the honest answer. That, to me, is concerning. That shows that he was using the substances and that his numbers are definitely going to decrease. I mean, obviously, we saw today he got hammered by the Red Sox. I think he gave up, like, three home runs. So I would definitely be concerned because, again, the Yankees this year, too, have not had great pitching. You know, Kluber's probably done, for, I think, for the rest of the season. Herman and Montgomery have been shaky. So it's, you know, we they the Yankees need that ace of Garrett Cole because if they don't have him, I'm really worried for what they, you know, what they're going to do during the rest of his contract. I think it's meant to be um, uh, a very hot debate topic when written. I, I think part of it is the fact of the contract. I think that's the biggest part, you know. I think Maddox, like you said, you're going to regret at least a couple of the years in that contract. You don't want to regret anything in the first three, four, or five. And certainly, if you're not pitching like a $30 million pitcher, I, it'll hurt other teams more than it'll hurt the Yankees by certain means. Um, but I, 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 I'm most concerned in terms of just trying to see, again, if the spin rate goes down, that's, that's one thing. But it's like how much of that was – um, can that be attributed to movement? And and we've seen a little less rise on the fastball for Cole. Um, so that's where you start to see it's a little bit different. For example, I think it was Dylan Cease. You know, his spin rates were down drastically, but it's like the pitch was still moving the same. So it's like if you were using something, it wasn't helping you as much. And it's trying to figure out where that line is for pitchers still. I think that's going to be a very good research topic for a lot of smart baseball fans over the next couple months. Inning five, the Blue Jays received some reinforcements this week as George Springer made his return to the lineup for the first time since May. They've won three of the first four games that um, Springer has been back, also playing the Marlins and Orioles, however. Will Springer's return to the lineup be enough to vault the Jays to the top of the AL East over teams like the Red Sox and the Rays? We will start with Maddox. Um, I'm going to go with no. Uh, I think that they have the offensive firepower even without Springer. They have the second-best offense in baseball by OPS um, behind the Astros. Um, but unless they make a move at the deadline for at least a number two starter, I think that their team lacks a little pitching, both front end and back end. Um they don't have a true bonafide ace this year, at least not the way Hinjin Ryu is pitching. Um, and the Rays are really good. Um, Chain Bloom put on a masterclass this year, and the Red Hot and Red Sox are somehow good. Um, and I'm not totally sold on the Yankees being bad. Um, they're still a pretty good ball club, I think. Um, 
with a lot of money and resources and players getting healthy. So I think that division is going to be a dogfight. And the Jays are a pretty young team that I think is not going to pull out this year. It's a great point about the Red Sox. Oh, they were the uh, fourth worst, whatever. They got the fourth overall pick, something like that. They're top five pick, and now all of a sudden they're one of the best teams in baseball again. Yeah, that's a, that's a master class right there. Um, yeah. That's yeah. They're gonna end up with some real good friggin' guy, and it's like you don't need that. <laughs> Andrew, I agree with Maddox. I think definitely no. I think that you know the, the Blue Jays would be about the fourth best team overall in the division. I think the Rays are definitely better. Red Sox and Yankees. Um, the Blue Jays, yeah, they do have a good lineup, but their pitching is really, really bad. Um, they're starting pitching. You know, Robbie Ray's had a really surprising year. I like Hunjin Ryu, but he's obviously had a lot of health issues in his career. Um, some of the younger guys like Nate Pearson's had health issues too this year, although he has been pitching in AAA recently. But their bullpen is really bad this year. I mean, they had like Trent Thornton. Um, I think he was like a wild pitch that they got walked off on the other day. I mean, that's just not good because Trent Thornton's a failed starter. Um, Tyler Chatwood is back to his old ways. Tyler Walkwood, um, you know, Jordan <laughs> Romano's had time on the, on the IL and, you know, Rafael Delis hasn't been as good as he was last year. So I think they definitely got to trade for two uh, relievers and probably even a starter as well to, to uh, be considered, uh, you know, with the Yankees, Red Sox and Rays. So I, I don't, I think they could stack the lineup with Springer and they could bring in another bat and another bat. I don't really think that they're going to be competitive um, you know, stacking your lineup. I think it, they have to get pitching. Luke? I I don't think the, the Blue Jays are going to compete. Or I don't think they're going to they're gonna win the AL East, but I think they definitely could snag a wild card spot. Um, they've been a bit unlucky, it seems, from a run differential to win percentage standpoint. I mean, their expected win-loss is 44 and 32, and they're at 40 and 36. Um, they've scored almost 70 more runs than the Yankees, and the Yankees are only 0.5 games back of them. But I do think Tampa Bay um, is still a great team. And Boston's been been surprising. Um, very good still. And I think the Yankees will be much better in the second half. But I think they've also been very hurt with um, Julian Merriweather also got hurt. And now they have Springer coming back. I think if they, if they hit some positive variance with the bullpen and maybe they go out and get a reliever or two, I, I think the team is definitely good enough to get a wild card spot over the A's or over a second AL East team. I think it's it's interesting to watch that team because it kind of confirms what a lot of us probably said at the uh, beginning of the season. It's like that lineup's going to destroy everyone in their path, but it's up to the pitching staff to keep it, keep up the pace. And at times you've seen that from them and at times you haven't. And it takes a young, really impressive team and kind of ruins it a little bit when you don't have the pitching reinforcements to back it up. Now, guys like Nate Pearson will make a huge difference, but is it a big enough difference? I don't know. I It's going to be hard to jump at least the Rays and the Yankees. I, I'm still not convinced the Red Sox aren't just going to fizzle out with their pitching staff, but you still got two tough teams to hop. Uh, it doesn't get easier from here for them. Chris Sale threw a sim game the other day. That's a good point. Chris Sale did throw the sim game, and that that's that might be the one reason why I'm like, you know, I, I'm not totally convinced they won't fizzle out, but I'm not, I'm not ready to say that they will because of a guy like Chris Sale. Like, 
no one's adding Chris Sale to their uh, team at the deadline. There, there's only one team that can do that. So, Inning six, the Cubs did something quite unique this week, throwing the first combined no-hitter in team history. You still get excited for combined no-hitters versus your standard no-hitter, perfect game. Do they hold your interest? I'm curious about this one because I, I think it's been a topic of conversation recently. We will start with um, Luke. Yeah, in all honesty, um, I, I think combined no-hitters never really piqued my interest too much. Um, I thought it was cool, but you know, if I got like a notification that the team was throwing combined no-hitter in the eighth inning, I wasn't usually turning it on. But if it's one, one player, then I am. Um, and that combined with just all the no-hitters this year, I mean, it seems like a nightly occurrence at this point. Um, I, yeah, I just am not that – I'm not as interested as I was before this season, I think. I, I've always really loved no-hitters and perfect games. Like, you know, I think just watching them is so special. But, you know, after – I think after Rodon's this season, um, you know, as a White Sox fan, that was really exciting. But after that, it just seems like they were far too frequent and – they just didn't get me as excited as they once did. It's an interesting point. I think it, I don't know. I have been a tad desensitized to them, which is upsetting because like they're still incredibly rare. It, it just, I I have become desensitized though. So Maddox. Um, I agree with Luke. I think this year in general has sort of desensitized us all to no hitters, but in general, the combined no hitter doesn't really do it for me. Um, I mean, they had four pitchers and walked eight batters in that game. Like, I don't really want to watch that. And, like, the icing on top of the cake is the players didn't even know. Like, Craig Kimbrell was about to get hugged, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, after finishing the game. Like, and they were like, we had no idea. We were no hitting. That's not that special. That's the one, like, Every every pitcher kind of says that, or they'll always say, oh, yeah, I didn't know I was throwing one. That's when I legitimately believe that they mean that when they said it. Whereas, like, I like a pitcher, like, oh, I didn't really remember I had one or didn't realize I had one until the seventh. Uh, but these guys, it's like, there were so many base runners. I legitimately believe they did not know, which is yeah, all, insane. Yeah, all three of them came in and said we had no idea. Right. I Like <laughs> I said, I legitimately believe that. Yeah. Andrew? Yeah, to me, they're definitely not the same as, like, one pitcher, you know, dueling it out. Um, another thing, too, with these, you know, we're talking about, you know, multi multiple pitchers pitching, and I know Maddox just brought it up with the walks. To me, like, a, a snow hitter with a ton of walks is not nearly as impressive with, you know, zero, one, or two walks or something. And the irony of it was, I think it was the day after the combined no hitter, Edwin Jackson's no hitter, it was, like, the anniversary, and he notably <laughs> walked, like, eight or nine batters in his no hitter. And I, I just, it's just not the same because it's like, let's say you're in the eighth inning and you like think about like Rodon's perfect game or whatever. And let's say you're in like the sixth or seventh inning, you lose the perfect game. Then you could just like pitch around every single batter the rest of the game. It's like, oh, you walk a guy, whatever. You walk a guy, whatever. You still got the no hitter. So to me, it's just not the same with all the walks and all the pitchers. You know, it should just be one pitcher and not too many walks. I remember the absurdity of that Edwin Jackson no hitter. It's like 150 pitchers or something. It's like it, <laughs> that. That was that was cool and absurd. I think you're on to some though. Like even among one pitcher no hitters, th there are certain tiers of them. It's like, did you walk the entire ballpark 
and you happen to give him no hits at the same time, it's like that's the one thing too. But it's funny the you celebrate the combined one, but poor Madison Bumgarner throws a seven inning no hitter this year <laughs> and can't get official recognition. So. Another point I want to bring up, though, is the combined perfect game, which there was a potential for that today. Uh, the Pirates' Max Kranich, who made his uh, Major League debut, had a perfect game through five innings. They brought the tarp on the field, you know, Mother Nature. Um, and then I think Dwayne Underwood Jr. came in, and he ended up blowing the perfect game. But if it was a combined perfect game, that to me is way more interesting than a combined no-hitter. Especially given the circumstances of that. Yeah. One. Forced to be pulled. Yeah, that's another good point too. I I would agree with that. I definitely view a combined perfect game differently than a combined no hitter. It's all just different tiers. They're they're all <laughs> impressive. It's just different tiers of impressive. I think. As I sit here and I could never even imagine doing what they're doing, but <laughs> let's wrap up seventh inning stretch with inning number. Seven. Lars Nuplar was called up by the Cardinals this week, meaning we've got another awesome baseball name in the big leagues. I want to know what's the best baseball name you've ever heard. We will start with Luke, and it can be a current player, former player, someone you played with, like in high school, little league, whatever. I want to know your story here. Um, my, mine's a, maybe a bit basic, but I think Coco Crisp is my favorite. Um, it, you know, the name is just so cool. Um, you know, it kind of sounds like Coco Crispies or yeah. And then also just like the Afro and like all, everything about him. I think he really like embodied the name too, um, which was cool. It's not like, you know, old Ross Hasborn or like guys like that, where it's like, all you see are like grainy pictures of them. Like you, you saw him and you, you saw that hair and he really was Coco Crisp. It'd be a little bit different if I had the name Coco Crisp, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I hope I'm allowed to say this name on here. But oh, this Johnny will be good. Dickshot. <laughs> is this is this legitimate? Yeah, Johnny Dickshot. He's actually a White Sox legend. Uh, I played with the White Sox a couple of years back in the 30s and 40s. Um, yeah, that's just, and he's actually from Illinois as well. Um, Johnny Dickshot. I love it. I <laughs> would have been like, you're lying to me when you said that at first, but you had the, you had the backup. Yeah. I've seen that like on Twitter before. I'm like, wow, that's just, you know, funny name. That is awesome though. Maddox. Um, in a similar vein, I have selected Red Sox pitcher, Dick Pole. Full name is Henry, <laughs> uh, Richard Henry Pole. <laughs> um, so Yeah. He um, pitched from 1973 to 1978 for the Red Sox and the Mariners um, with a career 5.05 ERA and negative 0.25 wins above replacement. Maddox and Andrew viewed the assignment a little bit differently than Luke did today. <laughs> I had two categories. I had fun hey, and That's fair. Best. That's yeah. fair. My personal favorite currently, like, I don't know if any – I don't remember what it was before. It's Blaze Jordan. I love that name. That's a good I, one. I think that's like when, when you hear when you think of baseball names, like, okay, I, I, I get what you're playing. Like I, I know you're a star athlete. It's like 
I got stuck with Jordan Lazowski. Like I, it, it just was not meant to be. It just, it happens. But Maddox, first time on your first win. Congratulations! Thank you. You very are much. the winner with twenty eight points. Andrew and Luke twenty six. Close game today. I think a lot of good points made, especially around um, both the foreign substance talk as well as just how some teams are starting to get affected by some of these injuries and some of these returns from injuries. I think, again, we're in the middle of the season. There's a lot still being figured out. And I think as the trade deadline starts to creep closer, as even um, we have the draft in the next couple of weeks, I think there's going to be a lot of shifting narratives and some fun, new, interesting things to talk about too, which would be awesome. So let's head to the final stretch this week. What to watch for? Each of our panelists will give a series, a player, a team, something they think they're going to be watching all week, and they're going to tell you us why and why they think you should be watching it too. We will start with today's winner. We'll go with Maddox. All right. I actually have selected three series to watch for. Um, at right. the end of the week, the first Subway series of the year. Um, so that should be exciting. It always is. Um, and then – Two first-place matchups at the beginning of the week with the Giants and Dodgers and Cubs Brewers, two first-second-place matchups, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, and I'm just sort of interested to see if the Giants and Brewers can um, keep their distance in those divisions. Another big test for the Giants, I think. Every yeah. avenue, they've sort of exceeded expectations. Now it's like, all right, now it's June. Now we know who's who, and we got to still figure out if you are who we, you, you seem to be. Um, so I'm excited for that series too. Luke, what you watching? Um, you know, more specifically about the subway series, I'm excited to watch Garrett Cole, um, against the Mets. Um, you know, just with like all the, all the dialogue about Jacob deGrom versus Garrett Cole, um, all off season. And, you know, it's, it's been taking place for a couple of years now. And I think this will be the first time that Garrett Cole gets to pitch with full capacity against the Mets in New York. Um, so that'll be really cool. Um, and also to see, you know, whether that that spin rate is going to keep stay where it's been the past couple of games. He's going to continue to struggle. Um, that's something to keep an eye on. And then I'm I'm excited for the White Sox Twins series um, to start off the week. And obviously the the White Sox are in first place. The Twins are in last. Um, White Sox are still 11 and a half games ahead. But you know, I think they play seven games um, before the All Star break against each other. And mm -hmm. Jason Benetti was talking today on the broadcast, and I, I thought it was really interesting what he was saying. Like, if the Twins win six of these, like, it's going to be a race, and the Twins are a great team. So, it's about time to start making some gaps, like, stick and be permanent. Um, Sox certainly have a chance to do so. I think very early on in the season to be able to knock them out, especially heading into the All Star break and the trade deadline, like, those are seven important games for the Sox. Yeah. Andrew, what you watching? As a baseball fan, as a fantasy owner of this player, and having uh, picked him to win the AL MVP, you know, preseason, <laughs> it's got to be Shohei Otani. Um, he's going to pitch Wednesday in the Bronx against the Yankees. That's going to be a really interesting matchup yeah. to watch him, how he, you know, faces a, a real good lineup and obviously a, a great ballpark there with the fans probably, you know, booing him and heckling him all game. And obviously just got to watch him hit you know, all, all week too. And he's just so fun to watch with his speed, hitting the ball super far and hard, pitching super fast. 
And now he's like not, you know, as a pitcher, now he's uh, really starting to find his control. Early on, he was like walking a lot of batters. And now he's, you know, last couple starts, zero, one or two walks. So it's, it's nice to see him find his control. He's just so exciting to watch. He's honestly like my favorite player to watch ever. Um, man, he's so exciting. I you started the episode the same way uh, you ended it <laughs> yeah. with Shohei Otani love. I love it. I I think it's it's weird to say he's still underappreciated. Um, I but at the same time, like most people can't even do one of the two things that he's doing so well. Like you either pitch or you hit. Like you should not be able to do both things. Um, I think as we kind of wrap up here, one one piece of news coming out. I don't know how. Um, Credible it is, so take it as you will as we get into um, your speculation season. Here from a smaller account, uh, Dodgers Thinking Men, that popped up. Matt Beatty's early departure from today's Dodgers game might be related to a trade for the Diamondbacks' Eduardo Escobar. Um, so his name has started to float around among uh, both White Sox circles and apparently other circles as well. Um, not sure what use the Dodgers necessarily have for Eduardo Escobar. My first reaction is did Corey Seager set for some sort of setback and his hand injury, something like that. Um, just fun to throw it out there as we talk start the speculation season. I know Bob Nightingale got – Sox fans up in arms last night when he kind of just in the middle of a tweet threw out that Eduardo Escobar will be on the White Sox at some time soon. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much credence to give to these, but it's always fun having some, some, uh, so it feels like every year there's a random account that pops up and breaks some news. And it's like, how did you get that? Um, so Maybe keep an eye out for that. Maybe by tomorrow this episode comes out, that's old news and the trade's already done, but still would be interesting to see if anything comes of that. So, Gentlemen, any last thoughts before we start to wrap up here? I think so. No? Wonderful. Well, that's going to do it for us then. As I pull up the ticker at the bottom, you know where to find us. The website, diamond-digest.com. The Twitter handle, at diamond underscore digest. Instagram, diamond.digest. Make sure to follow along on the website. Follow along all these places. I think it's always good to see some of the different opinions we got coming out. I, we got a huge crew, and articles are always coming out. And I know these three are guys who have put out their own work, who have stuff either out or coming out. Or Make sure to give them a follow, give them a read, um, and make sure to stick around because we're going to keep bringing good information to you. Uh, so thanks for listening. For Luke Sihogis, right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> Maddox Hill and Andrew Horwath. I was two for two with that name. I am Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week, and we will talk to you next week. Take care. <laughs>